What's up, guys? I am Caleb Giddings. I'm Keith Finch. I'm Jack. And all three of us are back for the first time in, I think, about a month. We've been all over the place. Jack's X-Wing is up and running again. Uh, Keith Got the is... Of the shop. Good old X-Wing muffler, man. <laughs> <laughs> so did somebody crawl under it and pull the catalytic converter off of it or something? That's why. <laughs> no, I, don't, I no longer live in Detroit. So things like that don't happen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Um, uh, before we get started with this week's episode, we'd like to thank our sponsors for being awesome as always. And if you're watching the audio, watching the audio version of this Christ alive, if you're watching the YouTube, stay on target, <laughs> if you're watching the YouTube version of this and I remember to do it, you're going to watch a little banner right now. There we go. Anyway. Uh, so before we get started with this week's topic, I, Jack's X-Wing reminded me of something and apparently People aren't watching Andor, and I don't understand why, because that show goes so hard. Okay, I haven't watched it, but I've got, like, uh, I want it all to be out. I'm tired of doing episodic stuff. Okay, that's fair. Except I'm, for... I'm, I'm waiting on that as well. But I've heard enough good things about Andor that I'm really looking forward to the final drop. That way I can just binge it in a day and enjoy it. You've got another six weeks. It's a 12-episode season. What? Good. Like, stop doing these six-episode things. That doesn't work for me. Yes. Yeah, the the five, six, eight-episode drop is so annoying. Like, oh, you're going to entertain me for a month with this? Like, just just put it out there. Come on. I know it's dumb. I, I just... I'm tired of episodic stuff, except for, big caveat, I fell off the wagon and started watching House of the Dragon. It's not as good as Game of Thrones, but it scratches that itch. Mm. It's it's the methadone to the Game of Thrones heroine. I know that this it's, won't be popular. It's pretty solid. I'm not, I'm not uh, caught up yet, but it's pretty solid. I know this won't be popular with some of our uh, listener base because it, they're reactionary and dumb, but I really enjoyed the Rings of Power. Uh, I I thought it was well written. It was paced pretty slow, but when you think about the fact that Amazon bought five seasons, like they're it's already they're doing five seasons. Amazon was like, we got we got space rocket dick money. I'm, we're doing five seasons of this show. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I'll, part of why I'll, I enjoyed uh, it, I'll play the opposite card. I hate that show with a passion. So I part think of it's stupidly written. <laughs> Part of why I enjoyed it is I enjoyed the fact that I can watch a high fantasy show and have my toddler in the room at the same time without uh, like possibly be co- being, you know, committing a crime because I'm totally not sure fair. him seeing parts yeah, of House of the Dragon a, is actually there's legal. A, uh, there's a certain audience for that other their high yeah. fantasy show. <laughs> so anyway, what was interesting to me about um, House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones actually, or not Game of Thrones, sorry, House of the Dragon and um, Rings of Power is how the Rings of Power's marketing absolutely failed. Like their marketing was terrible for the show. And that's why today we're talking about gun industry marketing, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I may not call the episode that, but if I did, then pretend I did all of that on purpose. But So for a little background, Keith and Jack and I have all and all do work in the marketing side of the firearms (gasps) industry. Shocking, make money off of the guns. No, no, no. And we don't don't just sit in front of the camera for funsies alone. I do want to say that Gun Day Brunch is 100% sponsored by gun companies that we will shill for. And in fact, whoever pays for this, 
I'm going to tell you their product's the best. You know, I should probably like talk to your sponsorship guy about this and like just make this show even more incestuous. I, I actually, own... I, I actually, I meant to talk to you about yeah. that so that me and Keith can get a percentage off of us selling it to you. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm into this idea. I love, I love everything about this, guys. So we'll anyway, kick, we'll kick back a percentage of our percentage to your percentage. So uh, it just keeps rolling. I forget who it was that said this, but it was a few there's years a, ago. There's an episode of Always Sunny about this, I feel. <laughs> oh, yeah. A few years ago, someone said that, like, the gun industry is basically just everybody's side hustle supporting each other's side hustles over and over again into infinity. So and I'm yeah. like, you're not. And it Because that scales. That scales up to the macro level. Like, when I'm like, all right, I'm looking at ad packages. Well, who are, who are the homies? Let's make sure we're taking care of the homies. The homies. Yep. Oh, 100%. You always take care of the homies. First, I have I, I won't go into details, but I've had a buddy in this industry, he's been one of my longest friends in the industry, and we I have done little side deals for him. I've helped out where I could, and he just signed a very lucrative contract with us, and I'm gonna make a boatload. Like, it's good to work with the buddies. That's all I'm saying, guys. It doesn't you just wish. You take care of your people, they take care of you. Right. I'm continuing until you're like, where did all these dollars come from? What the fuck? Why is there an airplane full of money in my yard? Oh, that's the drugs. (laughs) Never mind. Oh, anyway. So, but like gun industry marketing has always been interesting, right? Because we are in a segment where some of the levers of traditional marketing aren't really available to us, right? Like you're never going to see a Daniel Defense ad during the Super Bowl. But that was a clever marketing stunt on Daniel mm-hmm. Defense's part when they were like, we're going to do a Super Bowl ad and then we're going to get all this press off of when it 100% inevitably gets rejected, mm-hmm. which I thought was clever because they knew they weren't going to get a spot. But and it was, a well done, it was a well-done ad. They crafted mm-hmm. a very good ad so that it would circulate by being rejected. Excellent idea. Yeah. So, and that's kind of the fun thing is like in the gun industry, we, you know, and we've talked, we've referenced a little bit of the, you know, bananas side of this uh, in episode 40, keep them gun legs running, where we talked about EAA and their absolutely unhinged marketing, which in its own way is brilliant because people still talk about it. You know, we talked about the gun legs and some of the other crazy things that have come out of there. But today we're going to go around, we're going to talk about some of the good stuff and some of the bad stuff, some of the weird stuff, you know, and starting with like marketing that absolutely hit and where it just like you watch it and it worked uh, or you read it and it works or it's like you're flipping through a magazine and you go, God dog, that's good. Or in some cases, marketing that you didn't even realize was marketing until you had like your wallet in your hand and you're like why am i what uh, how marketing to i I ordered what are Mm -hmm. (laughs) so for me where should we start with that oh I'll, i'll go with marketing that hit that i didn't realize i was being marketed to was a hundred gajillion years ago, uh, IDPA used to have this match called the Indoor National Championships, right? Sponsored by Smith & Wesson, okay? Mm-hmm. And it was held at the Smith & Wesson headquarters at their old range, which they no longer have. It's a shame. It's a cool range. Very cool match. There was a year where one of the stages was sponsored by Crimson Trace. And you shot this stage in low light, and you used a pickup gun that had a laser on it to start. And I 
I was, this was very early on in my career and I wasn't that savvy. And I grabbed this gun and I go, oh my gosh, it's really easy to aim this thing in low light and identify the no shoots from the shoots. And that shit worked on me. That was really well-placed marketing that really, really worked on me. And I didn't even realize that I was being marketed to at the time because I was like, oh, how cool of Crimson Trace to put a free laser on this stage. Doot to do. Doot to do. And then you were like, where'd all these grips come from? Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm not kidding. If you look in my fucking gun closet, there's like five guns with Crimson Trace grips on them. If, and I just if they two were more. more comfortable on a Glock, I'd run them constantly. You know, it was funny. And the problem with the Glock one was that was like their worst. And I love Crimson Trace. The Glock one was like their worst model. Yeah. It, it just, it's so, no matter what variant you get, it so drastically changes the grip mm-hmm. that it's just it's and i i i want to shout out crimson trace uh, has taken care of me over the years with occasional stuff that i've needed for articles and other things and i think they do some really cool stuff just the main gun that i carry the grip doesn't work otherwise i would run one because free laser is free laser and mm-hmm. if you're balls deep in revolver land like i am Oh the, yeah, Crimson Trace is the it's the number one. It's the go to. And you know, I talked about this earlier this week on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Caleb Shooting, where the grip shape that they present for these small guns, like your Taurus eight fifty sixes and your LCRs and stuff like that, makes the gun easier to shoot. And then you also get a free laser. I'm like, oh, it's a really good grip that makes me it's able to shoot the gun and better. And it comes with a laser. Fantastic. So yeah, that was that was a, an example that worked on me. I'll let you guys decide who wants to go next of like good marketing that worked on you. Oh man. Um <clears throat> okay, so it wasn't a particular ad, it was a period of time for AR-15s. And it was when you felt terrible if your gun was direct impingement. Oh God, yeah. So there was this there was this time period. I don't want to give it a hard date, but I do feel like it was 2009 to 2013, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. Where if it you was were running up era where General What's His Nuts was actively attacking the M4 for killing some dudes. Yeah, there oh, was yeah. some stuff like that. Um and it was, it was really just sort of like piston gun hype time. Mm-hmm. And I can't put this on any particular company's doorstep. Um, you know, I'd love to be able to say like, oh, HK did this. They didn't. HK just sort of did their own thing. And they had the 416, which you couldn't get at the time. Yeah. I remember like at, there was one 416 upper that made its way into a very famous gun shop down here in Georgia. And they had it behind the shelf, and they had a sign that said, you cannot handle this. It is a $10,000 item. Do not talk to me about this item if you are not serious. I went in there. I saw it. I was like, oh, that's crazy. That's so cool. And the rumor is it was a personal upper of an SF guy who had gotten it, and he had sold it, and they sold it three weeks later. Somebody came in and took it. Uh, but this is well where LW's, LWRCI came, um, and there were a bunch of other like retrofit kits to get a piston. L- LWRCI's gun. marketing definitely worked on me. I mean, I've got 
I've got two of them and I've got an old one. I've got an old yeah. one from uh, the days where Andy was just starting to enter into the AR-15 market and they were figuring out how to put controls on the other side of the gun. Like that's how old Yeah. There was also like Remington had a piston gun. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam's arms was kind of like your budget entry piston. I had one of those. I shot the crap out of it. Do you remember when Smith white labeled the Adam's arms guns as mm-hmm. the MP15 piston? Yeah. yeah. Um, that was a weird time, wasn't it? Like everyone. And, and was the like... thing is, it's like there's really not a huge advantage to piston guns outside of like, I'm going to caveat this. It's not because you're in the water all the time. It's if you are in an environment where running a gun dry is actually like just simpler for you. A piston gun completely dry will run for about three magazines before it gets a little chunky. And then all it needs is a little bit of lube and it'll keep going. I kind of like that for like an older purpose that now has become a much dumber purpose what's called the truck gun so uh uh, pressburg was talking about that where he was like hey you know the 416 was great in the middle east because when you're getting out of a helicopter with rotor wash and it's blowing fine particulate dust everywhere it's the gun's going to keep working even if it's dry well, yeah, your odds your odds of your gun working when you flip the switch and have to start pressing the, the the trigger were higher with the piston gun that it would keep cycling and wouldn't heat itself on the first mag. Because when we were when we were in Africa running the uh, running just M sixteen A fours and older older ones that that had entered service earlier, these these were pretty beat up guns. But if we if we kept them wiped and lightly lubed. We could get through about two mags with some of these guys, but as soon as the wind kicked up, they would they would die on the first mag. And it mm-hmm. didn't matter if you had just cleaned that thing. You gave it five minutes with the wind up, enough had gotten in there that you could kill the gun on the first mag. You could still clear it, but the gun would go down on the first mag just because there's too much dirt in the air. Yeah. So a lot of piston guns in the time period were like it was a marketing campaign that I don't think any one person was in charge of, but once everybody kind of saw the desire for it, everybody got into it. And mm-hmm. my first AR was actually a piston gun. Um, I currently don't have a piston AR, and I just saw a couple for sale that I'm kind of like, hmm. You're thinking about it again. The darkness is calling to you. Well, I I thought I was I was back comfortably on DIs and then a decent deal on an Elda pop through and I instantly was like, yep, yep, bye now, bye uh, now. So Keith, let's talk about uh, talk talk about your what what marketing worked on you, and then I'll talk about what might have been the most amazing piece of marketing ever in the history of the gun industry. Oh, <laughs> uh, what marketing worked on me? I I have to go back to the early handgun marketing. In, in which uh, 40, when I got into concealed carry originally, 40 was the round, 40 was the best. You always carried a 40, nine was like, eh, we make it too. But um, <laughs> then, then you remember, you, you remember a time when 45 started to surge again, just a little bit. And it, like the M&P 45 came out. That was uh, a really good gun, by the way. Yes, the M&P 45, was so comfortable and smith and wesson just quietly rode on the fact that that gun shot fantastic and it was very comfortable 
and and I I bought in immediately and ran like three M and P forty fives in a row, and I loved them all. They they were fantastic guns, and all of a sudden I was a forty five bro at like twenty three years old. I think everybody had a phase like that too, and it's it's funny because that was that that forty five resurgence that M and P forty five was directly responsible for uh, Glock being like, all right, the Gen 3 21 SF isn't cool enough. We need to do a Gen 4 21, mm -hmm. which they did, which was also a pretty fucking good gun. Um, wait, you know what was always interesting to me was that even the the 40 cal M&P, because I had two of the long side 40 cal M&Ps, why were the 45s and the 40s so much better than the 9s? Because the 9s wouldn't shoot in a, a group but the 40s and the 45s would. And I'm sure some engineer out there has an actual answer for me that I'm not smart enough to understand. But before we move on to bad marketing, I want to talk about what, in my opinion, is the best example of unbelievably good marketing in the history of the gun industry, and that's the Magpul DVDs. Without question. Yeah. How yeah. many... Yeah. And you picked an industry off. Those didn't just... <laughs> sell magpul parts which they sold a lot of magpul parts mm -hmm. those also sold training classes and dvds and travis haley's lip balm or whatever the hell he was skincare line or whatever the hell it was like those are i i really don't think we'll ever see guerrilla marketing because the best part was you had to pay to get them you had to pay to be marketed to it yep. was brilliant i mean i don't think we'll ever see and the best part about it it wasn't even cynical like it wasn't like it they were cynically like let's make these marketing tapes and sell them to people like um the cold steel guy did they were which we could talk about those in a minute <laughs> <laughs> but the magpul dvds were they were the best example of marketing and you had to pay to get them and i just can't like that today <laughs> I did. That today I'm blows fine. my mind. <laughs> I one, they're still good. Yeah. They're if actually still fun to watch. Yeah, they're still good. They're still fun to watch. <laughs> I have watched Travis and Chris do two man drills on YouTube. I like they cut them so great. And they did mm -hmm. like I remember the handgun video when those MMPs came out of their gun, like, that was still, like, the early days of the MMP, mm -hmm. and I had never seen an MMP look cool. Until I, rem I remember that thing coming out of the holster. It had the surefire on it, the extended barrel. This was before we really ran a lot of optics on the gun. In fact, the weirdest part to me is watching dynamic handgun, and there's no optic on the line. Oh, yeah. Well, because that mm -hmm. came out in, what, 2010? Uh, yeah. 20 it, no 2011 it was it was still a few years before fn dropped the fnx 45 and kicked off that like optics can be on a duty gun theory and for a while they were they were like the only one they were like aha we did this to a 45 and everyone's like ah that's neat um should should we do anything else nah let's yeah we're good we're good yeah we're good. um but yeah i mean absolutely phenomenal marketing and the fact that we're still talking about them 12 years later and to me they've sort of occupied a place in the cultural zeitgeist that like so 
this actually is that gunsight has modernized right if you go to gunsight today they're not going to teach you like elbow locked lever anymore they don't do that shit but i used to say that if you want if you went to gunsight and you took a 250 and even if they taught you you know fucked up weaver stance you would still be a very capable and very uh well equipped to defend yourself and the magpul dynamic like art of the dynamic handgun kind of fits into that niche of if you watch this and you practice this stuff you are going to be a more capable competent shooter assuming that you're starting from zero uh than you would be if you hadn't even, even if, if that's not the most modern stuff anymore run that stuff yeah even if you're starting from casual and you start running what you see in each of those segment in each of those those dvds and you do it honestly you run the drills the way they're supposed to you're going to get better and you're and you're probably going to get better very quickly on that first arc you're going to jump up into like oh like you can actually run your gun uh however don't go around flipping your magazines guys that was the one no. that just that no, no magazine. <laughs> chamber check <laughs> the magazine goes flying across the rage which obviously uh, i've talked about that a couple of times it was really funny because those gen mags were meant to solve a specific problem on the m16 m4s which have a very specific uh tdp magazine well and they didn't they didn't uh know at the time that the the polymer would swell especially in uh in temperatures so it would swell a little bit and the magazine would get stuck and they're like well stuck magazine don't look cool so just yeet these things out instead of the much simpler version which works on guns that don't have drop free magazines of well, if you pull it out and then put the new one in, that too works. <laughs> Problem Instead, solved. Instead, they were like, nah. So I had a buddy who was very Gucci. Like, you always, there's always one friend that makes you feel poor. And all he ran were E-Mags. And that <laughs> was, oh, we got a cool. seal on the line. Um, But I always thought, like, the sterile E-Mag look, because it doesn't have any of the traditional, like, I've, I've got a couple of them, and I bought them just for that, like very, very spelt, very slick look. I also yeah. bought them. I also bought them to show uh, my company at the time that, like, look, we have magazines that can run in our M27s. You don't have to be grumpy bastards about this. We just have to check mags before we put them in the gun, which is something we should be doing anyway because we're fucking NCOs and we should be checking our guys' kit. They were like, no, no, no P-Mags. And then like two years later, they're like, oh, the P-Mags. <laughs> so uh, pivoting off of how great that those Magpul DVDs were, let's talk about the other end of that spectrum, which is, uh, I'm going to, as, as a very specific example, and I am not calling out their products here. I think they actually make some pretty fine products, uh, but I'm not a knife guy. So knife guys don't at me or do, I don't care. Uh, Cold Steel the iron proof videos and the cold proof videos where you would get the uh where you'd get like slightly doughy bald men slashing up ham hocks and things like that with their products so bad so so bad <laughs> i never i never watched one of those and was like oh yeah i need me a cold steel katana now because he cut through like half a ham with it now if I was uh, a prohibited person, maybe, but I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't you know. Really you know, now I, I will say we could be bagging on these be, and I could be bagging on these specifically because I don't know who they're for because I am not a blade boy, but Jack is slow. If you're listening to this, Jack just rolled out of the shot 
when I feel like he's about to come back with some absurdity of a knife. It, it could happen. I have seen it happen previously. Um, for the record, Jack is also dressed. If you're just listening to this, Jack is also dressed like a blade boy right now. He's well, wearing I wanna, a I wanna show sleeveless zipper blade <laughs> to cut the sleeves off of. I, I oh. want to sh- I want to show you something. Okay, and I, I want you to understand. Uh, oh, you have it. <laughs> this is this is the Cold Steel, um, high performance knives, six disc set, never unarmed. Six discs. Um, how long is that? Hold on one second. I gotta. I just gotta. I I can only do this if I blur the background. You can actually see this. Um, this is without question the most unhinged thing I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) I have had access to the internet since two thousand and one. Nothing has been unseen by me. This haunts my dreams to the point that I hunted it down on DVD in 2020. Um, And uh, it's about six and a half hours long. I've never made it through the whole thing. How could you? But I promise you that there's nothing you can expect that... Like every segment is just crazy, and you can tell that this was all done in one take. Mm. There, there is no like, let's do that one again. Let's try that again. No, the mistakes are in there. The misses are in there. They're never acknowledged, but it just it happens. Um, is that the one that has Lynn shooting the ground with the Glock twenty? Yes, it's yeah, in there. That, that, in everything. There. Is, um, there are a couple of moments that appear as he as if he is firing at employees. <laughs> he might be. Right, like I can't I can't so there's a thing where like they're talking about ripping fire. Oh my god, yes. And oh. the guy goes running into a plywood structure. The guy is acting like a bad guy. He goes running into the plywood structure. And then seconds later, there's no clear cut to me. Lynn Thompson drives his pistol out and begins firing through the wall at about chest height, just ripping fire. You know, like, and you're like, that guy okay? They clearly cut, right? And you're like, I don't think. I don't know. I really think that guy ran in there and then was told to lay down so the bullets wouldn't hit him. I can't prove that. Um, but but it do feel that way if i can figure out a way to do this what i would like to do at some point uh do you guys watch red letter media every now and then yes i i think we should do a review of this oh yes. we i think we to, should we can't do all six hours um there are probably some choicer parts of this that i think are like watch this watch this watch this um yeah (laughs) you know what oh man it's a shame it is a genuine shame that that's not on like prime or something like that because we could do a prime watch party and stream it look at this look at this look how many these are dvds these are physical dvds and you know what's crazy (laughs) if you've never done this dvds actually cost a lot of money to like imprint they're not cheap to make 
Right. That's why you um, have to do them in freaking super bulk in order to make it cost effective. You and you know that this products. was a vanity project. Like, this oh, it very like, much is. It, it's clearly like he he did his knife stuff for so long, and no one really challenged him. Nobody was like, "Dude, you cutting up pigs is kind of weird." That he decided to do this. Now, I will tell you, there is a moment in this video where I suddenly realized crazy doesn't mean not brave. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lynn Thompson has video in this of him hunting Cape Buffalo as the capes turn and charge on him. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, sometimes crazy does mean brave, as a matter of fact. like, And it is, it's not like, it's it's not like safe what he's doing. He is literally chasing them into the bush with a gun guide who's holding his reload. Yeah. And he just do, 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 and he manages to kill a few. And I'm like, oh man. Like, this um, is not, not, a, not a smart idea. And so, it's crazy. That 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 is that is one of the angriest animals on the planet. And uh no man who no man or woman who's like, yeah, I'll take that on is like, nope, that's uh good for you. I mean not that's... on my bucket list. It is on my bucket list that I would love to try that. There's some, like, I have some, like, dumb hunting ideas, like, things that I would really like to try. Uh, that Cape Buffalo is definitely on that list. Um, so moving past the absolutely un... And for the record, guys, there are clips from that uh, DVD. Uh, Keith's yeah. got one. Give me yours, Keith. What what, what you got? Oh, the uh, move, moving past that just absolute batshit insane marketing to a to another classic that's much more recent in our memory is to good old florida man themselves the keltec company oh yes i'm so glad and p dude how did piss mustache make its way <laughs> out of a room so if you don't yeah, know what we're talking what, about what what line of substances were consumed that you're like you know what the people need some really weird, strange bear grillsian freaking. We're gonna put pee in a mustache and we're gonna photograph that. It was a, it, be frozen. It was an ad for what with RFB, I think, one of their rifles. Yeah, and... it was. It was one of, or it was that. Uh, I think it was that like slicked down, no, no feature bullpup thing that they did. Mm -hmm. Um. But the weirdest part about it is a lot of their printed media didn't feature the gun at all. It was yeah. just the mustache. So, guys, if you type in uh, Keltec P mustache into Google image searches, you will get this ad. It is the first result. And it is a dude who has got, like, you know, when you go outside and it's really super cold and you get some moisture on your face, it freezes to your face. So the guy has frozen moisture above his face. And the tagline, and I'm not shitting you, is for those who drink their own urine. With the, the implication being that the moisture came from the pee. A bottle of now, pee. at the time, that, at the time, Bear's right. Grill was very popular, and Bear's Grill says drunk his urine on a number of occasions for television. Remember the time shows. he drank his urine out of a snake? Like, he... Yeah. He killed a snake. I mean, he didn't actually kill a snake, and that wasn't actually his urine that we were drinking, because as it turns out, he was a phony. Um, but yeah, I remember that. That was a weird one. So anyway, yes, 
this ad was very much trying to tap into the you know bear grills survivor man sort of zeitgeist that was that was popular at the time but i just how like a room full of grown-ups looked at this and they all said yeah yes let's print that shit so the story i've been told is that it was not intentional that this was done up as a fake ad among the marketing department as a joke and the packet with the joke ad got picked up taken to the publisher and run i don't now, believe that for a fucking second they brought it to shot show hard it was on the walls by that point hallways. by that point it was already out and their options were <clears throat> do you know lean in or lean out and they chose lean in that is the story i've they been are given florida men so i, I respect that um <laughs> i i don't know the, the full truth of the matter is i think no one will ever know that was <laughs> that was a series of bizarre decisions that were made but that wasn't the only bizarre caltech ad that's the thing like it, it is among the most because uh, I remember seeing that ad and then I remember wandering by like CAA or something like that and they had a weird ad set going too. It wasn't pee and mustaches but it was like a bunch of dudes dressed in medieval armor and holding cheaply done up AKs with like Capco furniture on it. Oh, do you remember the when the American Kalashnikov people very clearly hired EAA's marketing firm and they had like sexy laser cowboy with an AK, you know, as one of the things yeah. on the shot show booth. Yep. <laughs> also, uh, <laughs> I never thought I would ever say the word sexy laser cowboy. So this is a real fucking landmark day for me, guys. <laughs> sexy laser cowboy. Oh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot again. And one of the ones that got me the, the marketing that got me at the time and then in hindsight was just like uh was some of the original bushmaster acr marketing where every time you clicked it you ended up on the website and it was just hard metal guitar riffs and just as you scrolled through it down like if you own the acr you are the coolest motherfucker ever by yeah, the that way was from take bushmaster's limp biscuit phase guys and it's not gonna go well so there's a period, like there are a number of periods of like how ARs are, are marketed. Um, I think the height is the Magpul era where anything they made was gold. There's, it's still gold. What am I talking about? Yeah. Um, I enjoyed their kind of marketing. I wish that there was a way to go back to it, but they appear to just sort of consider that not really worth it. I kind of like the core stuff they did. Mm -hmm. Um. I loathe weekend warrior marketing for AR-15s. And what I mean by that is, like, if you have a nine-to-five job, that's okay. So do I. Your gun does not make you a warrior any more than your khakis make you an accountant. And the idea of, like, you and your rifle versus the horde of whatever nebulous group you disliked this week. I just don't like it. I don't like zombie stuff either. I thought that was who, a really weird was it? There, was, there was one recently that I just shook my head at. It, I think it was a still, and it was like this nebulous horde in front of, I think it was a police officer. 
and he's like standing there alone with a shield and a baton and i'm just like guys yeah i don't know yeah you know what an equally terrible one was do you guys remember the early ads for the fn57 pistol and it was this dude oh yeah his family and he's wearing like pajamas that have been Iron so that there's creases in yeah. the sleeves and everything. Get behind me. All I have is this 22 Magnum. <laughs> I know the guy who, fun fact, that Photoshop on that ad, I know the guy who did that. Like he was the guy who Photoshopped it out. It's like, get behind me. All I have is this crappy 22 mag. <laughs> it's so um, good. I, uh, I don't necessarily hate the 57. Sleeves. Come on. Um, yeah, that's a lot of weirdness. Also, there's a light switch behind you, my bro. Just turn that on. Yeah, flick that guy on. Um, <laughs> I got this. Yeah. That was a good one. That's uh, as an aside. That's one of the weirdest arguments that I still constantly run into about people putting lights on guns. It's like you'll give it. Yeah, there's no other way that you're gonna see what's going on in your house. And I'm like, there, there's this thing on the wall that provides you that ability every day <laughs> well i mean the the light on the gun projects light into areas that i haven't walked into to turn the lights on yet yeah which is so, nice like, that's a nice it, feature it has a function it but does. the one the one that gets me is i don't want to give my position away that one gets me every single time like my brother in christ you're in a house making a bunch of noise I'm, and it's like your house you're probably going like hello Bro, who the fuck's in my house? Right, like my first words are gonna be leave it, just leave now, please. Just get nothing in this house is worth getting killed over. Right, you're in the living room, you're gonna take a three hundred dollar TV. Leave if you're out of here by the time I get to the living room, that's no harm, no foul to me. Honestly, like good luck unhooking my TV, man. That's just plugged into so much different stuff. (laughs) You think you're gonna get that thing unhooked or ripped out of the wall before a shot? If they've They're made their way, that. if they've made their way to my bedroom, well, now what they have to contend with is a six foot eight, naked, angry gorilla, and the gun's no longer the big problem. Nope. <laughs> uh, we're not going to say what the problem is, guys. Use your imagination. All right. So I'm going to wrap this up because we're just about we're 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 done. We didn't have a good episode this week. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up with what is my all-time favorite gun industry marketing clapback. And we don't do this anymore in the industry. And I think we need to bring it back. So a, a very long time ago, when many of our listeners either were, didn't exist or were small children, when I was uh, a small child, Ruger ran a magazine ad talking about how the GP100 was better than the 686 because it was thicker and stronger. Yes! Oh my Smith God, I remember this. Claps back with an ad that says, there's no question that thicker is better when it comes to burgers and shakes, but what does it have to do with revolvers? And for this clapback, they actually took Ruger GP100 grips and they made a hamburger in the shape of a GP100. It, uh, According to friends that I know who knew people that were involved in that, it took them hours to get this right because they couldn't get the burger to hold together in the right shape. They couldn't get it charred right. It was a nightmare to do this. And they put days of man hours into creating an ad specifically to clap back and troll Ruger. And I think we need to bring a little bit of that energy back. And you know like, what? That's a, and, that's a really good clap back. Like, oh, yeah. Clever. It was well thought out. And it doesn't 
it doesn't take the cheap path of calling Ruger wrong. It just questions why they would bring this up and then gives you a very funny image with it. Yeah. It doesn't say like Ruger GP100, suck it. It doesn't. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's, it's very clever. It's brilliant. And it is endured, at least in my opinion, as one of the best examples of clever gun industry advertising, because they're just like, I mean, and I also like it because it's petty and I enjoy a certain amount of pettiness like in my life. So that is it for this week's episode, guys. Uh, what we would love is for you to tell us about your favorite instances of firearms industry marketing or even adjacent marketing like knives and stuff like that. Uh, let us know your favorite ones. Let us know the craziest ones. Let us know ones that really made you scratch your head. Uh, you know, and we can be creative. We don't need to point out that like, you know, all of Alien Gear's advertising is just horrendously bad. We all know that. All right. So right. be a little bit more creative than that. But that's it for this week, guys. Thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing, commenting, and all of those fun things that you do that keep the show going. We will be back next week.